0: He, <laughs> A podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Aaron. I'm Tim.
1: And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's
0: what we're here to find out. This week, I chose a listener request from Holly, who wrote to us last November. She writes Hello, I'm a big fan of the show. I love when you guys riff mystery science theater style on some of the less time tested episodes. I wanted to email and recommend two CBS radio mystery theater episodes I enjoy. Thank you for the show. Keep up all the fine work. And I have chosen for you, Holly, the thing in the cave from your recommendations list. To fans, CBS Radio Mystery Theater is
1: shortened to CBS RMT. But we're going to go with RMT just to make things even easier and lazier. RMT was created by Hyman Brown and it was a contemporary show running from 1974 to 1982. Its long run is due in part to its great production value, name actors, and well-written shows. Because of the show's success, it became a bridge for many people who grew up without any radio drama and through RMT were able to discover the beauty of radio theater.
2: Like me. Like Eric. There couldn't have been anybody better to link the past to the present than Hyman Brown. Brown was a legend among radio drama enthusiasts for his work on Inner Sanctum Mysteries. In fact, he used a lot of the same structures that brought him so much success in the golden age of radio. Like his past shows, episodes were introduced by a host who guided you through the plot. Unlike the host of Brown's other earlier work, Marshall is human and not supernatural or unearthly. E.G. Marshall is the host of RMT, and as I have described him in the past, Marshall is a scary grandpa. RMT's success is also due in part to the popularity and resurgence of 1950s nostalgia
1: in the mid-70s. The movie American Graffiti, followed by the hit TV show Happy Days, created nostalgia for the era. Consequently, the show had a large fan base among young listeners in addition to its older target audience
2: in all an astonishing 1399 episodes were written and broadcast and now here is the thing in the cave originally broadcast March 11th 1974 it's late at
0: night and a chill has set in you're alone and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio listen to the sounds coming from the speaker listen to the music and listen to the voices
3: E.G. Marshall. Welcome to the world of unbridled imagination. You know, man is a curious creature. Most of us settle for routine and habit. Eight hours on the job, another seven or eight in bed, and the other eight on some hobby that is neither too physically demanding nor asks for too many mental gymnastics. Few of us stretch ourselves beyond a reasonable limit. We coast through life. Our metal never really tried, but some of us, through harrowing experience, are stretched to the full capacity of our beings. It's then we find out what fiber we are made of. David,
4: David, help me! Eve, what is it? Where is she? Help me! What I, I can't see where she is? Eve, Eve? pulling me up. Eve? We've got to get her. Eve, what is it? The thing. She's pulling me up. What is she? Eve? Oh. Where is she? Where is she? She's gone. Where? We dragged her under the arch there. Did you see anything? No, but you heard Eve. It's true. There is a thing that lives in these caves. And we trapped here. And it's
3: mercy. Our mystery drama, The Thing in the Cave, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Ian Martin and stars Terry Keane and Marion Seldes. Many of us ever plan to grow up to be speleologists, since most of us are subject to claustrophobia to at least some degree. For the very few of you who don't recognize the Latin terms, let me add that a speleologist, of course, is someone who studies and explores caves. And claustrophobia is that suffocating, pervasive dread of being shut in. This tale concerns itself with four young spelunkers. Those are cave explorers who do it only for fun. And their gruesome experience of being cave-bound. Literally buried alive.
4: It's just around the next bend in the trail, Hank. Funny being born and bred in these mountains, and yet I've never been inside Choctaw Cave. Well, I'm not sure I want to myself. You get claustrophobia too, Barbara. David, I never even dare close the door in a phone booth. Darling. <laughs> yes, Eve. We can forget all this, you know. I don't have to have my childhood revisited. No, thanks. Right on. If I refuse you this little memory trip, I'd hear about it for the rest of our marriage. <laughs> if you ever decide to go through with the wedding. Oh, yeah. just you try to leave me at the altar, David Tower. Well, here we are. Are we here? Yes, sir, General Custer. Cavalry, did No... Oh, I don't see any cave. It's right behind that scrub oak there. Yeah. Listen, what do we do about the horses? Oh, you know, here. I'll hitch us all to the aspen here. My old baldy, all I got to do is let the rains trail. He won't budge more than 20 feet till I get back. Hey, you know, it's kind of clouding up over in the northwest. Maybe we ought to be getting back down the mountain. Ah, oh, come on. Give you him <laughs> a What's this? Oh, just my old faithful knapsack with some of the remains of lunch and a flashlight. Ah, meet an old boy scout. Be prepared. I brought a water bottle, too.
3: Hey, come to think of it, if Eve wants to get up to the ledge, which she says goes to the back cavern,
4: we ought to bring along a rope. Uh, fetch my lariat too, while you're at it. Will do. Where are you fellas? Come on. Bobby and I have found the entrance to the cave. <laughs> It all seemed a lot bigger when I was a kid. Barbara and I can make it all oh. right. Crawling, but <laughs> it comes in the giant size. Frank, can you make it? It's just about as tight as a cork in a bottle. <laughs> If I get stuck, you can be sorry if this is the only way in and out. With just a moment, we can all stand up. You'll see. Maybe we should all forget it. You're scared? Uh, no, but I'm not exactly happy either. I don't know if Hank can... We're here. In the cave. I can stand up. Oh, come on, everyone. It's just beautiful. It's just as I remembered it.
3: You're right, Eve breathtaking, like a cathedral buried at the bottom of the sea. Oh,
4: hey, all oh, green like Saint-Chapelle in Paris. saint How in Paris? Yeah. Oh, it's a marvelous chapel near Notre Dame with all stained glass windows that make you feel as if you're scuba diving and looking at it through water.
3: Hey, yeah, I can hear water, too, somewhere.
4: Come on, I'll show you where. Listen, look out for the, uh, what do you call them?
3: Stalactites. They hang from the roof.
4: Oh, and the ones from the floor are stalagmites, right? Uh, Here it is. Here's the waterfall. Oh, what a bath. Oh, that's beautiful. But where does the all
3: drain?
4: Well, nobody knows. But some say it's bottomless and it goes right through the earth. Well, where does the river that makes the waterfall come from? Up there? Well, the kids I used to know climbed up to the ledge there. And then... Went in through the crest. They say it comes from another chain behind this. Where it comes from before that, I guess nobody knows. What's that? (laughs) Maybe it's him. Him? Or Yes. I don't know. Crazy. Oh, but it's such fun to remember how we kids used to come here together and (laughs) talk about the thing. The thing. (laughs) Well, what was the thing? Oh, it was just something we made up, some country legend someone had heard about this, this creature, this monster that lived in an underground river, whatever it is. What kind of monster? Well, you know, slimy and slippery and all the a blob with one great red-rimmed eye and <laughs> long, flaky <laughs> uh. tentacles that crept and crawled along the rock yeah. until suddenly they pounced. What was that? It uh, sounded like thunder. I bet that storm broke outside. Come on. We, we better get going. Oh, just wanted to get into the cave behind us where we are just once again. Oh, no. Count me out. This place is giving me the heebie-jeebies. Now I'm getting a little tight in the throat myself. Come on, darling. You're right, David. It must have been a little crazy. I don't know what it was, but something seemed to draw me here. Almost as if it was something... leave. Run. Yes. Gee, gee, come on. come on! It sounds like a whole mountain caving in. Yeah, come back. You love it. Come on. Oh, my you God. I'm going to leave. It's true. Hey, Barbara. Barbara, I'm so sorry. Hang in there, Eve. Now, we mustn't lose our heads. It's so dark. To Hank It's David. they've gone to see about clearing the entrance we only had some light the boys had the only flashlight wait a minute what is it is it the no is it the... No, no cool it cool it, Eve just Hank and Dave coming back with the light oh any luck you both alright we'll make it how's Eve oh I'm okay David can we go now well it isn't going to be that easy we help to clear? Eve, Barbara, I I, I don't know. The, the landslide we heard, it may have covered over the cave entrance outside. You mean that even if people came looking for us, they might not be able to find the entrance to the cave? But that's why we have to start clearing out from inside here. Eve. Well, what is it? I mean, at least we know where the way out is. We can crawl back through the tunnel, Eve, and then we'll... we don't know where the way out is anymore. What do you mean? The whole area where we passed along the stalactites and the might just collapsed. Even if we could guess where the tunnel going out began, the rocks blocking it are so large, it would take a bulldozer to move them. Oh, good Lord. Then we're trapped. It's sealed in like a tomb, and it's all my fault. Oh, Eve. oh, Eve. Eve, oh my come on, oh, darling. Oh, baby. Okay. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. Take it easy, Barbara. Now, Eve, come on. You've got to get a hold of yourself. Oh, I'm, I'll, I'll be all right. Sure you will. Hank, have you any ideas of what we can do? Well, I, I guess the first thing to do is not to panic. Now, we've got water. I, I've got some chocolate bars and a couple of sandwiches left over from lunch in my saddlebag. We've got light as long as the batteries last, which reminds me. Do we have to be in the dark? So there's no sense in using up the batteries when we don't need it. Right here, Eve. Hank, what are our chances of being found? Oh, it's hard to answer, Barbara. Of course, they'll miss us back at the ranch by tonight. Oh, didn't say where we were going. But when they find the horses hitched right outside... It's always supposing they weren't buried in the landslide. Is there any other way out of the cave you know of, Eve? No, not really. Like I told you, some kids got up on the ledge at the top of the waterfall, and they, they went into some kind of a chamber behind there... But th- th- they claimed that... That what? Eve, please, we've all got to keep our heads. Well, it, it's just that, that... the thing came rising out of the water, hissing and snarling, so they they just took up and ran. Well, I don't guess four of us grown-ups, as long as we stick together, are going to dream up any boogeyman out of the shadows. I've got to turn the light on for a minute. Twenty after four... They won't miss us till dinner time. By the time they started any kind of search, it'll be dark. Yeah, and with the thunderstorm and the Pocota River running high as it does at the Ford, they may figured we hold up at Halfway House. That's this side of the river. Yes, and there's no phone, right, Hank? That's right. Look, it's it's only about twenty feet up to that ledge. Yeah, it'd be easy to climb. Dave and me could go in through that cleft and have a look around. Maybe there's a way out that way. You girls wait here. Oh, no way. I'm not sitting around in the dark. We'll all go, Hank. Well, okay. You climb first, then. David, right behind you. Then Barb and I'll come up last. Let's go. Bingo. We're in the second cavern. How big is it? This must be where the waterfall comes from. Is there any way out? Hold it, everyone. Hold it. Let's see. Let's start to the left here. The walls are so smooth, like they've been polished. Once upon a time, I guess the whole floor was underwater. Shine the light higher, Hank, so we can see if there were any clefts or passageways at ground level first. But it's so small. You're over halfway around and missing. Maybe where the water comes in? (laughs) We'll be there in a minute. Nope. Try along the right-hand wall. The water runs along against it. And back through a hole in the floor, down to where we came from. Shine the light back again where the water comes in. Why? The batteries are getting dim. Thought I saw something. Wait a minute. You may be right. The water doesn't come quite to the top of the archway. It isn't that. It's something else. Wait, stop. Hank, are you all right? Damn, I turned my ankle. David, the flashlight. No, I know, I am I'm, I'm looking for it. Go. David! David, help me! What is it? David! Where are you? Help me, quick! Help, me! help me! Where's the damn light? I have it, Mike. Oh, God, no. I can't swim. I can't. Look out. Hold the light steady. Go in the arch. I'm going after her. Did you see anything? No. The water's only a couple of inches under the roof. Hank's gone. He's safe. It's this thing again. And he's coming back.
3: From ghoulies and ghosties and long-leggedy beasties and things that go bump in the night, good Lord, deliver us. The quote is from an old friend, Anon. Or, to give him his full name, Anonymous. But will he deliver our four young spelunkers, or any of them, from this thing that haunts the cave? I'll return in a moment with Act Two. feeling about the very thought of being shut in anywhere without doors or windows. Confinement of any kind is as foreign to the human animal as it is to his fellow beasts. And as for caves, I know I wouldn't be found dead in one. Oh. I hope that figure of speech isn't a prophetic one for one of our four young friends who are cave bound. Of water, I don't know.
4: But didn't you see something inside it with great arms reaching out like a tree? It was just a geyser, a water spout, some freak of nature. Eve said there was a thing. Oh, what did it matter? Eve's gone, she's dead, drowned. And it's my fault. And Hank hasn't come back from this. Uh, David, you can't help it if you can't swim. Uh, hasn't helped Hank, that he could. He's disappeared. She was my girl. If anyone had to die with her, it should have been me. Maybe they've gotten to another cave. If they hadn't, their bodies would have come up to the surface. Look at that vortex there, Barbara. Where the spout or whatever it is came from. Just before the archway. It like a whirlpool. It could have sucked them both down to the bowels of the earth. Oh, David, what are we going to do?
3: I don't care anymore.
4: Well, I do. Give me that flashlight. It's getting dimmer. Maybe there's a hole or passage higher up that must... What's that? back that... The lights like to them. Put it out. I can't. I can't. I don't want to be in the dark with them. We'll have them all over us. No, One against me. Please, please, help me. Please. Please, please help me. Oh, help. help me. Help oh. Take it easy, Eve. You're, you're all right. You'll be all right. The thing... The thing hold me under the water. Right. You're out of the water now. Where? I don't know. Dry land, anyway. Thank you. How did you get here? I went into the water. Try to save me? Oh, it's an eagle scout. You know... Trustworthy, loyal, helpful. What about David? He can't swim. Oh, but what did... How did you... He... I don't think I could explain. What do you mean? It just doesn't make sense. The stream was flowing out of the arch. So I was swimming against it. But suddenly, something... Something just pulled me along against the current. What about you? Oh, don't you see? It was him. The thing. Oh, if it was, why did he save you and me? You thought he wanted to drown you. Yes, I, I, I did at first, but then, then it seemed so kind. So kind. As if it wanted to help. But, Barbara, and David, we have got to find Got step back. Take it easy. Too tired. Oh, yeah. Some lights so that we can and nothing but matches. Soaking wet. Maybe dry out. It... It can't even see the time. Yes, lover. Would the light disturb the bats again? They'd make my flesh crawl, but anything's better than the dark.
3: Well, it must be night outside by now. I,
4: I have a hunch they taken off of the outside cavern. Why well, are they in for a surprise when they find there's no exit anymore?
3: Maybe they know of one out of here. Let's, let's try. So far. So good.
4: It's getting so dim. It isn't all that high. Let's, let's see. Well... You see anything? No. It's like the inside of an egg. Oh, David, what are we going to do? Get back. Get back near the arch. The uh, rock's flat. Maybe if the water goes down or something, we can figure a way. Uh, battery's gone. Oh, no. No, there's got to be light. David, I can't take it. Robert, I'm joking. Barbara, I'm, I'm joking. Hold it. Wait <laughs> a minute. Oh, thank God. It's so light. It's only a lighter. It
3: won't last long. Now we've got to save it. sit down Just
4: don't turn it off I
3: have to Just keep thinking it's rare if it's needed
4: It's there if it's needed Oh, David, hold me Please
3: Okay, okay Oh,
4: Hank I got you, all of you, into this But Eve, Eve, that won't help what we need oh. to do is move around and try to get warm. Oh, at least we're dry. Yeah. Try those matches again. Oh no, no good. Oh. If only we could see to What is it? Look up, Eve. Wait, way, way up there. What do you see? It's it's a shaft of light. Sunlight. That's coming from outside. It means there's a way out. But it's so high up. But it's so little. With any luck as the sun rises, it'll give us more light. Then we can explore. How far up to where that light's coming in? Oh, must be a good 60 feet. Hard to tell in this light. Could we climb up there? Oh, Lord, no. We've got to think about Bob and David first anyway. Oh, I've been thinking about that. Trouble is, I was groggy when I fetched ashore here. I've no idea how long the underwater swim is. But with the current going with you... There's a good chance I could make it through, but making it back's another problem. Especially since David doesn't swim. We can't count on Mr. Singh to be around to help us out again. But here we have a chance, and there they don't. So there's got to be some way. I've got a notion. Eve, you got anything to write with? No, I haven't got a pocketbook, or any kind of pen. Wait a minute. Pocket in my jeans. Lipstick, any good? Famous. Now look, I'm going to take my canteen and empty it. Now, the one sure thing we have is plenty of water. <laughs> you think we could write a message with lipstick on that? No, not so good on that canvas cover. But if we if we just strip it, we, we could write on the metal. You don't think water would wash it off? I don't suppose you've done much dishwashing. Well, even a bachelor does his share. Well, then you know how tough it is to get lipstick off a glass. I sure do. But how do we get this message? Look, with the stopper in this canteen, it won't sink. I'm going to tie it to the end of the rope and let it float on down far as I can. Supposing the rope isn't long enough... Oh, there's 30 to 35 feet of rope here. It better be long enough. Now, let's put our heads together and figure how much of a message we can get on this canteen. David? Yes, Get. Is it me? Or is it getting hard to breathe in here?
3: It's all in the mind.
4: You know, it's funny. What? I used to be kind of jealous of all the big brains. Me, I was just, uh, you know, fun and games. And the action girl. No ties, strictly let it all hang out loose. I wish I had the chance to find just just one fellow. What, Barbie. You're not kidding me. The air's getting heavier and heavier. Please, can't we have a little light? There's not much light if you... What is it? There's something floating in the stream. Here, hold this up for me. Uh, can you reach it? Yeah, I have it. What is it? It's... it's a canteen. It's tied to a rope. Looks like Hank's canteen. The water bottle he, he brought in without the cover. Hold it closer. Oh, look. There's writing on it. Oh, God, I'm blind without my glasses. It's a lipstick. That means Eve. Here, can you read it? Hold the flame steady. Okay. Eve, Hank. Safe hug oh. rope three times if found. Way out. Oh. If writing materials reply, send all in flash. Measure about 20 feet. How far can we? One, two, three. They've got it now. All we have to do is wait for one tug and we can bring back the message. There's so much more we should have told them. The time the lighter's almost out of fluid. Thank God my watch has an illuminated dial. If we miss their return instructions, well... well, we can't. That's all. Hold the lighter. I've got to be sure this bottle's type to Captain. Okay. Here goes. One tug in. Geronimo. to the light. Or oh, if I ever get out of here, I'll write for special dispensation during the energy crisis. I never want to spend another moment in the dark again. What does it say? Uh, we could use a better reading light. What's it written on? Pencil on a handkerchief. Dearest Eve... Light only for one more message from you. Air supply failing. Trapped here. Give instructions. Expect answer five minutes. Pencil enclosed. Can you imagine? The 20th century, a little less than 20 feet away, and we communicate like the Stone Age. Never mind. At least we communicate. Let's just get them here so we can communicate face to face. Silly day. You know you can't swim. If anything goes wrong and you panic, I'll at least be here. And if I leave you here in the dark, alone... Uh, now, look, let me slip the rope around your shoulders like Hank instructed. I know how to handle a sling like this. Will you remember? Yes. Go on. Get in and tug. Let's get out of here before my lighter gives out. I could have swum it alone. I didn't hold my breath more than half a minute. Oh, Bobby, it's so good to see <laughs> you again. Let's get that sling off and float it back on the bottom oh, of oh, David. Dear, hurry, hurry. You think you'll be able to, manage? Oh, sure, I think. Oh, here you are, Hank. Oh, I just hope your boyfriend isn't jealous. You mean the thing? No, I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Uh, 17, 18, 19... 20, Twenty-one. It should be right on the mark now. What's the matter? Haven't he tugged yet? Give him a chance. I hope the lighter hasn't oh. run out of fuel. But if he can't see, then how can he it's get... Look it. There's the tug. Oh. Come on. Let's all pull fast. He... Yes. Should it come as easy as that? Something's wrong. He's lost the rope. Oh. He's lost the oh, rope, no. all right. But it's something worse than that.
3: Once again, some malign influence interferes in the tantalizing possibility of escape for the four young people whose metal has already been tested unbearably. And for the lovers, the tables are bitterly turned. It seems that it is Eve's turn to mourn David. We'll return shortly with Act Three. David, appearing from the tunnel, secure on the rope, there is an empty sling tied to the canteen for a float, and behind it, a boiling spout of frothing water spewing from the narrow opening of the channel like a huge fire hose, reversing the normal current till the opposing forces drive a seething lake over the floor of the cavern.
4: I don't know. It's that that thing David and I thought after you went in to save Eve. David said it was some sort of a, a water spout, a, a, a geyser. or Mark! What? Floating in. David, uh, help me. Help me. Right with you. The easy. The eve, uh, let me get him. Don't let him go. Hey, it's all right. The water's washing him ashore. Is he... He swallowed a lot of... Here, let an RN and an old lifeguard handle this one. Get him on his back, Hank. Yeah. That's right. Now help me pull his jaw forward. What's that for? Free his tongue so he doesn't strangle. Okay. Now let's get the water out of his stomach, and then we'll start mouth to mouth. But what happened, David?
3: lighter gave out, so I had to lie there in the dark, feeling with my hands for the bottle to come through. Suddenly, I felt it, but it, it, it slipped out of my hands, and I fell in the water, grabbing at the rope.
4: So that must have been the tug I felt. I don't know. I, I lost the rope, and I was floundering when suddenly the water began to literally boil all around me. The water stopped. Yeah. It lifted me half out of the water and flung me against the arch, it knocked me out. You've got quite a bruise on your forehead. It's what happened to us, Eve. What do you mean? There's some fault right below there. And every often, you know, enough cold water hits the molten lava way down and... Well, you're the professor, Dave. What happened? I don't
3: know. I suppose it forms a steam explosion that blows a whole column of
4: water back up into the small cavern in part of the tunnel. creates... Yeah, sort of a whirlpool that momentarily strong enough to hit the normal current like a riptide and drive it back. <laughs> Best I can do. I can do better than that. It's the thing that wants to help us. It saved three of our lives already. Uh, I owe at least part of my thanks to Barbara. And me to Hank. And if it hadn't been for David, I'd have ended up a raving maniac in the dark. I guess we all have turned up a little short one way or another. Except Hank.
3: I'll say one thing there's only one best man in the group. Only at
4: your wedding, mister. Because, well, Hank is about to exhibit his private white feather. What do you mean, Hank? Well, if we're going forward, there are only two ways to go. Even I have looked at the other end of the river here where it comes in and there's no way out there. How about the cleft up there where the light comes from? Well, Must be the best bet, only Davy, old man, that's 60 or 70 feet up there And I want to tell you Heights turned my belly to water Even that first 20 foot climb we made I'd like to die I, I didn't dare look down After we got there So what do we do now? We climb Just let me look it over No, nah, shouldn't be too tough Are you sure you're up to this, darling? Eva, I may be an egghead No muscle boy And
3: I can't swim but one thing I do know how to do is climb mountains. This one's my baby.
4: Now, just let me go over a few points once again. I lead, he follows, Barb, and then Hank. What if I fall? You're on a sling. The rest of us can hold you, and if you don't lose your head, try to relax. And as you swing back to the wall, grab hold again. <laughs> but you're not going to fall. Yeah, but... Okay, isn't a tough climb... The main thing is, don't look down. Sorry. Just keep your eyes up.
3: And each one follow whatever toe holds or hand holds the one before is used. I'll test each one of them first. Most of the climb, we can follow ledges. If they feel
4: now, face the wall and move sideways. Don't look down. And No hurry. Don't anyone try to play hero. If you're tired, let me know and we'll rest, okay? I'm not worried, darling. I trust you, Dave. Well, so if we don't get started... I may never move. Here we go. Oh, that's way up now. Anyone want to take a rest? No. I'm all right. Let's just keep going. I'm afraid to stop. Next thought's going to be a little tougher. Hang in and keep your eyes up. James! James. Hold on, anyone. What is it, Hank? Dave, I can't! I can't! My knees! Are... It's so far down! Hank, damn it! Look up here at me! Now, that's better. Now, you listen. We only have about 15 more feet to go. There's a nice, wide ledge we can settle on while I explore the quest we're heading for. You lose your head, you can take all of us with you. Just cut me loose, Lemmy. Don't be a you fool, Oh, Hank! We're a few feet from getting back in the world. Come on, don't let us all down. All right, I'll fly. Easy, Berkett. And just hook your weight forward over the ledge. I can't. I'm stuck. Now, when I pull, get your knee up. There. All right. Now slide yourself back the rock. There, that's it. I have to get out of this I'm moving to Kansas Or it's as flat as a pancake What are you doing? I'm
3: tying the rope, I need it
4: huh. It was all but nothing, wasn't it, darling? What do you mean? That place where the light's coming from Is behind that big rock in the ceiling We can't climb up there, it would take a fly
3: I can get there, darling I just need some knots to miss one lariat then you see that spur that
4: sticks out I toss the noose of the lariat over that and then I can chinny up the rope and over on top of the rock but you'd swing like a pendulum if I took off from here without any break but I'll tie the other rope to this one for a trip line and the rest of you can let me swing over slowly and steady me as I climb. But how do we get across there to join you? See that other spur higher up between us and the rock I'm going for? Yes. After I get across, I'll sling a line over that and secure it my end. You can all swing across. Oh. Like we used to do when we were kids and played Tarzan. It's only about ten feet. I don't think I could do it. You've got to, darling. It's the only chance we have left. lead outside? Eventually. It's a sort of long chimney. And could we climb it? Yes, if we were gremlins. It's wide enough all right one way, but the other, it's not over six or seven inches. None of us could get through. Oh, no. Well, that blows it. But what can we do, David? There's nothing to do except climb down again. Not me. I am not the guts. I don't think I have the strength. You have a mutiny on your hands, Captain. I couldn't make that climb down again either. Okay, we'll do what I told you before. Swing all of you over here. There's plenty of room for all of us. I got you, Eve. Back on good old terra firma. It's Just like riding down an elevator. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Hank. Ah. Oh, so we all got down easy. How did David? He, he's got away. He sort of takes a hitch around himself and he lowers himself down. Oh, here he comes. Oh, man, oh, man. That's some kind of guy you're marrying. Everybody all right? We are. A few rope burns, that's all. Sorry I put you through all that for nothing. I wasn't much help. It was worth a last chance. You have to harp on it. I'm not giving up yet.
3: What else is there to try, darling?
4: Faith, trust in God. I don't think He'd have put us through all this much and not plan to save us.
3: He certainly tried to see what we were made of. Yes,
4: and look at us. We all came through, and none of us is whimpering anymore, thinking of himself. I still think there's something there. Maybe not a childhood picture of a thing. Oh, good Lord. What is coming out of that other tunnel? It's hard to see in this murky light. But it's the thing. I knew all along he didn't mean a harm. It's the thing. I reckon I must have thrown quite a scare into you folks. Jim Trimble here. Deep Sea Diving and Ocean Bed Recovery Incorporated. Ex-frogman in the Navy. You got a mess of folks mighty worried about you on the outside. There's going to be some relief once my boys bring in scuba tanks and gear to get you to the outside there. Just, uh, let me give them a go-ahead. Hello, Craze 2. This is Jim. All four missing persons alive and well. Proceed with plan as outlined. How did you find us well sir my daddy was quite a diver in his day free diving that was not with gear like today and he always had a notion there was a back way into Choctaw cave through the underground river and he found it one day off Chiptaw Lake here and I was about 16 and well he went down and they never came back I wonder if he ever made it to the cave oh no doubt about that ma'am After I got out of the Navy, I went down myself with scuba gear and a motor outfit just like now. And I found my daddy, or his skeleton. I figure he got down just holding his breath, but uh, trying to make it up again at that angle, the current was just too strong. and After it got him, it brought him back to rest here, you know. uh, I brung him out and buried him proper. I'm sorry, Jim. No need. He died doing what he wanted to do. But
3: how did you find us? Well,
4: Hank's old horse, Baldy, was smart enough to outstep that landslide. And when he turned up downhill, folks got alerted. But uh, there wasn't a hope of digging you out. And they sent for me, and I got flown in from San Diego. And that's how I come to scare you into thinking I was that old legend I guess my father started. (laughs) But the thing... It isn't a legend, Jim. Your father never really died. He was the one that saved us.
3: Deep in the Choctaw caves, the fountains of hot water still spout. The vortexes swirl. The long double lariat still hangs swinging from that high spur. But no living creature will ever enter them again. For even the bats are gone. Smothered in the first two caverns where air forever was shut off. Perhaps all that is left is one thing with a small tea now. For it has become the pleasant ghost of a simple, kindly man. I'll be back shortly. the epitaph to this tale of suspense in Milton's words hence loathed melancholy of cerebrous and blackest midnight born in Stygian cave forlorn for myself I equate cave with a Latin word spelled the same way C-A-V-E but pronounced cave it means beware Our cast included Marion Seldes, Terry Keene, Michael Wager, Bob Caliban. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.
0: thing in the cave from the CBS radio mystery theater here on the mysterious old radio listening society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric, I'm Tim and I'm Joshua. And that was a listener request as we continue this summer to try to catch up on all of our requests from our listeners and uh, just barreling through on a lot of really fantastic requests that we have gotten and just hadn't gotten around to. And uh, thank you again, Holly, for uh, recommending some RMT First of all, Holly, because of this podcast, I just don't have time to sit down and listen to just whatever anymore. I have enough time to listen to the shows that we have for this podcast. But before this podcast, it would be... Oh, hmm. I have time for an old radio drama. What should I listen to and maybe even delve into some stuff, but because of this, I can only You've listen drained
2: all joy from your life. <laughs>
0: right. No, I just I don't have control over it. I only have so much time. So I'm really happy that one of the requests was for something that I would have chosen on my own, which is CBS Radio Mystery Theater. And I love listening to these shows and I love that this show has become a job of sorts, you know. It fills (laughs) me with such great joy. But I do miss that ability to just grab something and and listen to it because I have some time. And I miss E.G. Marshall's voice. It it fills me with such great comfort and bliss. So thank you, thank you. Thank you, Holly, for that recommendation.
2: I just want to loop a bunch of E.G. Marshall intros and outros and just... (laughs) Put myself to bed with them every night because to hear him talking about well, and I love how some people are going to die tonight. <laughs> Here's some
0: poetry. <laughs> yes. I, I love how
2: I'm going to quote Milton.
0: <laughs> right, I love what's written for him, and I love how he delivers it. I, I forget what I was watching the other day, and. I realized, oh right, E.G. Marshall is a human being and an actor. He was in this movie and I went, Hey, it's E.G. Marshall. <laughs>
1: right. Like you saw Santa Claus in right. the street. He's E. G. Marshall. <laughs> it really was kind of like
0: that. Uh so thank you. Uh that was a lot of fun to listen to. In addition, CBS well, we agreed, it's RMT. Um RMT, after 1,400 almost episodes, it's a little all over the map. Why couldn't they just make one more? One more, <laughs> That's right? really annoying. Make thing. it <laughs> one more. Come on, one more. Nope. If you make 1,400 episodes, so help me. Well, something to do with taxes, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> they had to keep it at $1,399. <laughs> um, they're a little all over the place. There's all sorts of different story structures that they follow. Um, and they don't very often... Delve into the traditional realm of things. I, I, I don't Maybe think the
2: supernatural realm.
0: Supernatural or a very basic trope. Some of them are just people just having a day. I will be honest with you. There's something. Like, <laughs> what happened? That wasn't very good. Oh, I don't know. My car broke down. And da da da. So this I love because this is a very classic structure of locked room mystery. Uh, you know, in the sense of you take people. And you throw them in a place where they can't get out of. And how are they going to react? How are they going to interact with each other? There's something very terrifying about, for example, in this room. If that door, all of a sudden, we couldn't get out of here, what would change with us? What would, after a few <laughs> Who hours... Would
2: get eaten first? Right?
0: <laughs> what happens to people in elevators, you know? And so I really like that concept. Of, I also thought
2: this used the three-act structure, that is traditionally used on CBS Radio Mystery Theater. I'm R-M-T. sorry, RMT. Excuse <laughs> me, Eric. <sighs> it's so hard working with this guy. Um, <laughs> it used it effectively. It seemed like right. it parsed out the story mm-hmm. in a way that it didn't feel draggy, which is sometimes my complaint. The first act is really clear that they're going into the cave, and they get trapped, and it looks like... Eve has drowned or been attacked by the monster. And at that point, you also think it's a different kind of story. You think, oh, it's a very traditional story. There's a creature in a cave. It's something like Mm -hmm. behind the locked door. It becomes more like that in the second half when we find out that everyone's alive, but they've been separated into two different caves. And then I Mm -hmm. started to get that behind the locked door vibe that something's trying to help them. Right. Uh, And then we have the whole rock climb. While it turns out to be absolutely pointless, there's still (laughs) something to do in the third act. I mean, it's pointless. Narratively, as in, it doesn't allow them to escape, but not pointless thematically because mm-hmm. they have the whole theme yeah, of it... facing their fears and seeing what they can contribute in a crisis. It might have functionally been the padding that often creeps into a RMT
1: <laughs> um, that makes the 45 minutes feel like there's a little extra padding in here. But it didn't feel like it in this episode. It, it felt very full without being mm-hmm. overstuffed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was just going to say the same thing. You were absolutely right that... RMT has the, uh, we got to fill this hour. And there are many episodes like, really? And so (laughs) you're dragging this out. And as Joshua said, there is that point where climbing the wall, uh, is a whole story in itself of who's going to overcome what fears and what are you going to contribute in this crisis? So I like that aspect of it. Overall, what'd you think, Joshua?
2: I really liked it. I thought it was compelling in that it kept changing what the stakes were to Well, the stakes stayed the same. There's a survival stake, but what the conflict Mm. was. Is there a monster there? Does it even exist? If it does, is it trying to help them? And so you had to keep, as a listener, kind of changing your perspective on the scenario, which Mm -hmm. kept me really engaged Mm -hmm. throughout the entire thing. The monster
1: aspect of it kept, for me, being a little bit of a distraction. Yeah. As it went on, the elements came together in a way that I was pleased with, but for the most part, I was so engaged in, we have this amount of light, we have this amount of equipment that was so specific with the environment that I was just totally on, on board and engaged in that story of we're trapped and we are trying to find a way out and there's no guarantee we'll find
2: one and they're very careful to let the listener know everything they're bringing into the cave at the beginning. Yeah. And so then yeah. it's fun to hear them cleverly find uses for all of
0: them. Mhm. I also found the monster aspect of this a little disappointing. I know what you're saying that, okay, now it's not a monster. Now they're fighting themselves and their own fears. (laughs) And now they're fighting nature. It's actually uh, the lava is heating up and and shoving them around in the water. And I like that it was constantly changing until it gets to the end where we'll talk about that too. Again, you can guess what I want. Could it just be a monster? <laughs> Could it have just been them trying to get away from a monster in a cave? That would have been the, awesome.
1: The pacing, that are like, monster thing from the past is the story of my childhood. And that went away for like 15 minutes. And they would come back, well, mm-hmm. but those creatures, oh, no, actually,
2: we're trying to write it on metal with lipstick. Yes. <laughs> I choose to interpret it as there is no ghost. That, the ending? Yeah, because um, David gives a perfectly reasonable scientific explanation for mm-hmm.
1: it, because yeah.
2: it seemed to be something that um, Eve really needed to think in order to make sense mm-hmm. <laughs> of everything that happened. I mean, I don't know if that was the authorial intent. It was probably meant to be mm-hmm. ambiguous, but I think it works the best because it is all about their ingenuity and their shortcomings.
0: Right. And, that is the story. Yeah. And I don't mind the slight substory of, oh, we used to think there was a thing that lived in this cave and perhaps it playing on their fears when they're trapped in the cave from the landslide and escalating their terror and their uh, irrationality. Maybe there was actually a thing in the cave. I don't mind any of that. And then it gets to the point of, oh, man, you know, all of this is scientifically and ecologically explained. And through our perseverance and working together and all this, we're going to get out of here, right? But then <laughs> then they see the thing, which is just a guy in a scuba suit who has his own other story. Like, some guy came from another story, like in an episode of Gumby, walked out of a different story and walked into this book.
1: I did have a moment of the, the illusion was so in my head that, oh yeah, that fifth guy had been there the whole time.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he's new. It, just let him get out of the cave, and it can be a story or, or not. They could die, too. Either way, let it be a story about them trying to figure out how to quell their own fear, their own terror, their own their own shortcomings, how are they're going to contribute to get out of this terrible situation. That's what the story is.
2: I think you're absolutely right. I just think they still maintain that story. They minimize the thing in the cave so much that they kind of needed a tacked-on ending to explain it, or to offer an explanation. I think that's yeah. what they chose to do it, which I agree 100% seems pretty awkward. The ending's totally awkward. <laughs> All of it. There's a part of me that likes that they learn something about themselves, but still... <laughs> wasn't enough to save their lives (laughs) 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 there's there's sort of a lesson i appreciate there
0: (laughs) well we've learned this much
2: yeah well (laughs) thank
0: god that guy came from that other story because we could not get out of this to save our lives
1: Uh, it's it also has to do with their well-trained horse Yes, (laughs)
0: Yes, <laughs> not Bal- Balto, the horse Baldy, Balto are, Baldy, I think they <laughs> No, call I know, but Balto anyway. I, 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 From I the No, It's a whole thing about the Iditarod And I'm not going to get into it uh, I did
2: <laughs> Small blessings, listeners
0: <laughs> so I'm going to tell you guys off the air All about Balto and the Iditarod It's an amazing story, it's a heck of a dog Okay, I'm going to do my best not to
2: sign off, listeners Because I don't want to hear this story <laughs>
0: I did make the note, oh, my God, the horses were killed in an avalanche? <laughs> that made me so sad for a while. I'm glad one of them got out of there. They're just standing me, around. And the others
2: got away. It's just the, There's only one that came back to the camp, itself. They led
0: like. me to believe that they were squished by rocks. <laughs> I
2: chose to interpret it that way. Wait, I that? think Baldy
0: may have killed the others. And it looked like an accident. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we're into another story. <laughs> Production-wise, I don't know if this is how it was or if it has something to do with the recording of it in the time. But The Waterfall was too overwhelming, made it hard to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just a production thing that bugged me. It was like, oh, please get away from The Waterfall so I can hear what you're saying. You know, it was Yeah, and as much.
2: I mentioned last week, I had a heck of a time distinguishing all the characters. Mm-hmm. It's not like we don't listen to a lot of radio drama. I feel like I'm pretty good at taking those cues, but yeah. It took me a good minute in, and I had to rewind when we moved from... David and Barbara. We didn't know their names. Into, I don't even know their names. And then names. into Hank and Eve, who we, we thought Hank had drowned trying to save mm-hmm. Eve. And then I realized, oh, no, wait, we're in a different cave with yeah. the yeah. different characters who are alive because their voices the, are so similar.
0: The transition to the others in the other cave wasn't clear. Had to listen a few times. That was my note. And that you're absolutely right. And it has to do with the distinction of voices, but it also has to do with some kind of you need to write something here to let me know. I had to keep going <laughs> I'm back. Not a good I'm Rachel not David. Gone. Uh, Uh, Exactly. (laughs) Right. What you say as soon as you pull yourself out of the water. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) However, I will say a great production element well directed and all that was the chaos of trying to find her when she gets pulled into the water by the thing which was fantastic the screaming the yelling the fact that we couldn't distinguish what was being said and happening was great I don't want to you know like what what's happening and
2: yeah I think the actors are great they sell the terror when the (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. rock slide first happens and they think it's thunder they have this panic moment where they go run and you as a listener aren't aren't even quite sure what's going Mm -hmm. on so it really puts you in the cave with them, not knowing what's happening, just something bad's happening.
0: If you have limited space on which to write a note and time, mm-hmm. and you have to get that through some kind of lava water, you don't take the time to write "dearest" at the top of your note. <laughs> <laughs> "Dearest Hank and Eve," is, she wrote. Is
2: that, right? that went right past hello, me. Hello, having just... a
0: grand time in the other cave. How are you?
2: Short on space on this canteen.
4: <laughs> she wrote,
2: "Limited dearest. to
1: one hundred forty characters."
4: <laughs> Lols. <laughs> that,
0: that made me mad that you took the time to write, "Dearest." Hey, you. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Don't even have to introduce. Hello, everybody. How are you? There's an remember inter-
2: when I almost drowned? <laughs> <laughs> that was fabulous. your fiance.
0: There's an (laughs) interesting element in the writing of this where they say, she, one of the she's, I can't remember which one says, you have to trust in God. And I thought that was an interesting moment in this, the element of their shortcomings, how... They're going to get out of this cave. How are they going to work together? Now we're bringing a religious aspect into it. And she's... I like that. Like, okay, this is another thing that would happen. Another thing to consider. Is this how things are supposed to happen? Is that a fate comes into play in the middle of this? Yeah,
1: all, It's I like just that. unusual, I feel, to see a character who expresses a faith mm-hmm. in a story that is not particularly about that faith.
0: Yeah, I found it very real. Like, it, it, that's her deal, bringing that to the table in the situation so we know her faith is deep and that she's calmer because of that. It was an interesting little thing. I know in that situation, I don't have that. <laughs> You'd be like, I'm going to die.
2: So you wouldn't be able to no, I wouldn't fall be able back to... on your faith, faith in a ghost thing? So it's a little weird. Because <laughs> then she tells the diver, which is really weird, like, oh, your dad's not dead. He's a ghost and he saved us. Thanks, bye. It just seems like it's <laughs> like the last line of the story.
0: Um, uh, before we wrap things up, I wanted to bring up a couple of, uh, interesting things that I didn't put into the, uh, intro, uh, about CBS radio <laughs> mystery theater, RMT, RMT, <laughs> uh, turns out that the actors, uh, for this show for, you know, 14, almost 1400 episodes, they were all paid union scale, which was about $73 and 92 cents per episode. What does that translate into today's dollars? $76. (laughs) (laughs) The union has been terrible for us. No, I don't know. But it's $73.90. And writers earn a flat rate of $350 per show. And the productions went like this. They would get there at 9 in the morning. They'd do a read-through of the script. Hyman Brown would assign the actors roles. So it wasn't really cast ahead of time. It was... Bring in these actors that I like, and we'll figure out who's playing what later. I need a couple of girls, a couple of guys, you or whatever it was. And the whole thing would be recorded by noon, and then all of the post-production was done in the afternoon, done by five. It would take one day to do each one of these episodes, and that's why they were able to crank out so many of them. Wow. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about is Hyman Brown. Uh, it was an interesting uh, write-up I read about him that this show attracted a younger audience, as I said in the intro, and it kind of was a bridge for those that didn't even know what old-time radio was. And there there was a, a very much an older audience, but also a very younger audience, which is completely by accident, because Hyman Brown went out of his way to not aim this at anybody young. Uh, he used a lot of words and phrases and stylings that were from the golden age. The reason that most people agreed, given to the attraction to the younger audience, was the music. Mm-hmm. The music that was used, which I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, I probably Twilight told Zone. This, Twilight Zone. Yeah. It's all the incidental music from the Twilight Zone because it was free to CBS. Yeah. And so they were grabbing it off the shelf, including the opening. Dun, 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 you know, that opening uh, to this. It's funny. I was watching the Twilight Zone the other night and heard that <laughs> in the background. Yes. Um, so they, someone had recorded all of that incidental music for The Twilight Zone, and that's what they used for all of this off of a record. That helped to give it a contemporary feel, that music, and E.G. Marshall not being supernatural or too wacky. Uh, but other than that, he made no effort to try to, to attract a younger audience. Um, and let's settle one thing before we're done here uh, and
2: vote. You're um, the handsomest. Thanks. Fine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, spelunkers. Is that correct pronunciation? E.G. Marshall was making me crazy. Spelunker. Spelunker? Spelunker. He went out of his way to say spee No, I just mean.
1: Take it as the softer E, no. not the
0: short E. Spelunker, as you say. All right. Well, I'm going to write uh, his family a message
2: <laughs> <laughs> on a canteen.
0: Not a canteen.
2: <laughs> Dearest E.G. E. Marshall estate. Ed
1: J. Marshall.
2: It's <Spie-lunker>. pronounced.
0: <laughs> Anybody have uh, any other thoughts or do you want to go to this vote? Uh, Tim? I don't know that I would call it a classic.
1: Um, and I could explain that. I just That's how I feel. <laughs> but it is really good. It stands the test of time. It is post golden age, but it is still it had several years of when it could have gone rotten on the vine and it did not.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, so, very, very good. Yes, hold up. Yeah, I think it stands the test of time. I, I w- again, I would not say classic. Mm-mm. And I also will not share my opinion. <laughs> 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 I didn't know that it was an option. <laughs>
0: I think it was it was a lot of fun. That's what I'm going to give it. It was a lot of fun, and it's uh, CBS Radio Mystery Theater, so it's nostalgic for me, and I think yeah. I'm tainted every time I hear E.G. Marshall's voice. Mispronouncing uh, I, a word. Mis- <laughs> it, it just Whatever happens is fine, because I'm going to hear him four or five times. <laughs> I thought it was great, though. I think there were some things that could have been cleaned up and, and cleared up.
2: The attack on ending hurt it a yep. little bit. Absolutely. I would agree. But I think it lives in the details, the Mm -hmm. painstaking details of how these guys think through their survival Mm -hmm. in the cave. Yeah. I didn't mention it, but I love the lipstick moment because I thought exactly what Hank thought. Like, lipstick? That's going to wash right off. And when she... I felt like she answered me. And I don't know if that's scientifically accurate about, you know, oh, you can't get it off wine glasses, but it was enough for me as a listener. I was like, you're right, it is hard to get off wine glasses. I'm sold.
0: It sounded like a dishwashing detergent commercial there for a second. All right. Well, thank you, Holly, for your recommendation so much. And your patience,
2: if you're even still listening to this podcast anymore.
0: I think uh, she made that recommendation the last year this was on the air. (laughs) (laughs) Tim, tell
1: them some stuff Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com That's where you'll find more episodes of this podcast You'll find information about our live shows We do live shows You'll also find ways to contact us Um, You can do that just directly from the website You can let us know if you have requests For episodes you'd like to hear A year from now Um, (laughs) You can also find links to our Facebook page And Instagram where you can make requests there Um, And just leave
2: comments Because we like them Also, check out our Patreon page for an opportunity to sponsor and support the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society. That's patreon.com slash themorals. We have all sorts of excellent rewards for different levels of membership and including a members-only podcast called The Secrets of the Mysterious Old Radio. Also, write a review on iTunes. We like those reviews. Just don't start it with dearest Eric because you'll (laughs) get really mad (laughs) Tim, you got the
1: next one. I do. It's uh, another request from one of our listeners. Uh, from Lionel, we'll be listening to an episode of Lights Out, Vols Triest. Until then. Look
0: out! July the 14th, 1861, Washington, D.C.
4: Dearest Eve, Hank. Write only for one more message from you.
0: The indications are very strong that we shall move in a few days, perhaps tomorrow, unless I should not be able to write you again. I feel impelled to write a few lines that may fall under your eye when I'm no more.
3: Expect answer five minutes.